I'm tempted just to say, there's the sermon. <laughs> Heaven is a place on earth. I mean, didn't Jesus tell us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can't think about the kingdom of God and not think about its relevance to here and now. So Jesus, when he, after he went through the wilderness temptation, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everything Jesus stood for, everything Jesus preached, everything he taught, everything he did had connection to this central theme, the kingdom of God. He taught us to pray, as I said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the establishment on earth of the expressed values and purposes of God for earth. Jesus is the king. This is the way he wants it. The expressed values and purposes of God for earth. Now, historically, Christians have gotten a little messed up in this. And Pastor Brent has talked about this earlier. We, we tend to gravitate toward different poles. There's one side of the church that has been taught that um, we're just worms. You know, just as I am without one plea, that you would come for such a worm as I. That we're, we're grossly sinful, we're fallen, we're hopeless, this world is terrible, and... Jesus, get me out of here. And we say the way to get out of here is to pray a simple prayer. I'm a sinner. Come save me. Take me to heaven when I die. Now that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum says, well, it's, it's, it's just about doing good. We want to be good people and uh, do the right things, obey the Ten Commandments and and, uh, and then, you know, if we're lucky, we'll get to go to heaven when we die. You see the end game in all of that? The end game is how to get to heaven. The end game is where we go then. But that's not what Jesus was teaching. He was saying, here and now. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we have to rethink how we've been programmed to look at things. And that's what we're here to talk about today, the values of the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus gave a couple of pretty potent illustrations to demonstrate something that we need to know about this. If we're talking about the values of the kingdom of God, then we have to understand that what Jesus wanted us to know is that we can't produce those on our own. You know, I can't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a good kingdom citizen. Starting today. Let's, let's do that on New Year's Day, shall we? Let's all decide we're going to be good kingdom citizens. 
Well, there was a young man that came to Jesus who had that philosophy. The Bible refers to him as a rich, young ruler. Now, he was young, he was rich, he was impressive, and, uh, and, and he was the ideal model citizen. And he came to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, we read about it in uh, Matthew 18, or no, Matthew uh, 19. I'll find it here real quick. He came to Jesus, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? See, his, his mindset was, a good thing I have to do. Good thing I have to do to get eternal life. And Jesus said, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, he said. The man inquired, which ones? Jesus replied, do not murder. Do not give the false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor. He basically gave him a synopsis of the, the Ten Commandments. And listen to what he said. All these I have kept. What do I still lack? You see, there's the problem with keeping all the rules. It'll always leave us feeling like we're still missing something. It'll never give us a sense of completeness. And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Well, follow me. He was there then and now. Sell what you got. Come follow me. Join in with us in our mission. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. This may not connect with this crowd, but I told the first group, if Jesus were teaching this today, he'd say, it is harder to get into the kingdom of heaven than it is to get tickets to a Taylor Swift concert <laughs> through Ticketmaster. <laughs> and the disciples were perplexed by that because in their thinking, they had been taught to think, well, somebody who has young and youth and vitality and prosperity and lives an upright life, this is a model citizen. This is the ideal. This is what we all want to be like. And Jesus said, those kind of people have a rough time getting into the kingdom. And so then they said, well, then who can be saved? I mean, for crying out loud, if that doesn't get you there, what does? And Jesus said, pay attention to this. It's key to everything we're going to try and talk about today. With man, it's, impo it's impossible. Human beings on their own cannot enter the kingdom. But with God, all things are possible. What is he saying? The entrance to the kingdom, citizenship in the kingdom, is something God has to do in us. We can't get there on our own. He, he made the same point when he put the child in front of them. He brought the child and set him in the middle of them, and, and they were arguing, the disciples. We want to know who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. 
And Jesus said, unless you rethink and become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom. Last week, Pastor Brent led us on a little group discussion about that. What are the values of children? I mean, what, what are identifiers of children? And a list was put up. I was intrigued by he had a little gadget over here that he could handwrite on and then that would show up up there. This modern technology. <laughs> but, and you know, the, the standard list, children are naive, they're, they're, they're not complex, they're not jaded, they're humble, um, they're dependent, the usual things. I wanted to shout out, but I didn't. But I wanted to say, no, wait a minute. The starting point to be a child is you have to be birthed. You're not a child unless you're birthed. And what was Jesus saying? He was saying the same thing he said to Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John. Nicodemus said, Jesus, I, there's something about you. I know you have to be sent from God. No one could do what you're doing. No one could teach what you're teaching unless God be with him. And Jesus interrupted him and said, I have to tell you the truth, Nicodemus. You're not going to see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. No, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You have to be born. Well, birth, how does that happen? The child has no say in it. The child is just born. We are not born by the will of man. He went on to explain that. I'm not going to take the time to read it, but if you go to chapter 3 of John, you'll see. He said, we are not born by the will of man. We are born by the Spirit of God. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, the kingdom is here, and you have to enter it only by, you can only enter it through the work of the Spirit in your life. Now, at, at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, as he was teaching the kingdom, he kind of laid out what are the core values of the kingdom in the list that we refer to as the Beatitudes. The first few verses of chapter 5. And uh, I, I want to just quickly look at that because um, there's some values that he's taught. These are the values of the kingdom, quite frankly. You're, you're familiar with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Those were 
the kingdom values. Let's quickly summarize them. Humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Now that is interesting. Let's pause there. Blessed are those who mourn. I found a quote this week from Richard Rohr of Renovare. He made this observation about this. The mode of weeping, of crying, is different than the mode of fixing. Hmm. If I'm on if I'm on task, trying to fix, trying to get it under control, trying to assert my will over it, that's different than the mode of weeping. It's different than understanding. That's why we often cry when we forgive. I've given up trying to make rhyme or reason or blame or who's right or who's wrong. The dualistic mind just goes back and forth seeking justification, seeking the right reason to hate or reject another person. We never find home base. Now I understand why St. Francis wept so much. When we go to the place of tears, it's an inner attitude where when I can't fix it, when I can't explain it, when I can't control it, when I can't even understand it, I can only forgive it. It's a different mode of being. That's mourning. Blessed are they who mourn, who feel powerless and weak and are grieving over a sense of loss, of control. That's a kingdom value. Blessed are the meek, as contrast, contrasted with the arrogant. Deep-seated longing for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be filled. Kingdom values are this longing, this desperation for what is right, what is good. By the way, the word righteous is interchangeable with the word justice. Those who long for justice. That's a kingdom value. Blessed are the pure, childlike purity. The peace-loving, blessed are the peacemakers. Not the agitators, not the confrontational. Those who want peace. And those who, as Jesus went on to explain in his Sermon on the Mount, those who are non-retaliatory. Turn the other cheek, he said. Those are kingdom values. Now here's the thing about values. You can't teach values. I could get up here in front of you this morning and say, now here's a list of things you have to do to live out kingdom values. I could say, now you need to be a peacemaker. You need to go make peace. You need to be humble. You need to be meek. You need to be a justice act activist. Well, let's wait till New Year's Day. We'll start it then. <laughs> we'll make this list of do's and don'ts that we think are going to make us good citizens in the kingdom. You can't do it. New Year's resolutions won't do it. Values come from the heart. Values are the, those subconscious internal things that really make us who we are. If you've ever had any time in the corporate world, you may have sat in on a strategic planning session. 
And one of the things companies do is they try to identify their core values so then they can call, come up with a clever purpose statement and set company goals. Well, here's the thing about values. They can't be taught, they can only be caught. Right? You've heard that statement. Values are caught, not taught. Here, let me give you an example from my personal life. When I was little, real little, in, in elementary age, we grew up in a very religiously stern and legalistic home. We were kind of ultra-fundamentalist in our thinking, and we had a lot of do's and don'ts. I remember, now my beautiful mom is here now, and I want to tell you that she is a kingdom-liberated woman now. Um, God has freed her up, and, uh, and so I, 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 I'm casting no shade, shade on my mom. She's a champion as far as I'm concerned. But that's the way it was. That's the way we were taught. That's the way it was in the early days. Women didn't wear slacks. Very little, if any, jewelry. Many women didn't cut their hair, kind of wore it up in a bun. Uh, long skirts. Um, we, we didn't go to movies. We couldn't uh, go to bowling alleys. We couldn't eat in restaurants that served alcohol. Um, we didn't have playing cards in the home. I mean, we had a lot of rules that we lived by. The one that used to really get me is every year when in gym class, when they had the, the unit on square dancing, I had to bring a note from home to give to the teacher that said, please excuse Steve from this, from square dancing because it's against our religion to dance. Oh yeah, God really hates it when we do si -do. You know what? I broke every one of those rules. You couldn't teach them to me. I knew the rules, but I couldn't live by them. Didn't even try as a young person. Snuck around and broke every one of them. But there's something else about my family. Anybody, my wife will tell you the first time she came to a dinner at our house and our whole family was there. She was startled by what she saw. We can be some of the most irreverent, laughing at each other, poking fun, wisecracking, witty bunch of people you've ever seen. And we laugh and laugh and laugh when we get together. But you know what? Not one time, not ever, did my parents set me down and say, now Steve, this is going to be the rule of our household. We're going to be funny people. And this is how you become a funny person. Nobody taught me that. It was a value that was caught. And that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. If we want to live in kingdom values, we have to be infused by the nature and character of Almighty God, which comes to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. We have to be birthed into the kingdom. Well, Jesus gathered his disciples together. Oh, by the way, you know, Jesus butted heads all along the way with the rule makers. You know what rule making always does? I already illustrated it, but I'll just define it for you. It makes hypocrites. 
It's people that know the rules but don't live by them and sneak around and cover it up and pretend like they are. That's what a rule-based religion does to us. Before his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus knew that his guys were a work in progress. He knew they had a lot to learn yet. I mean, they, they had experienced the teaching of the kingdom, and they had even been given uh, instruction and, and authority, you could say, to operate in the kingdom. Because they went around preaching in villages, and they actually found that they had authority in Jesus' name to accomplish pretty significant things, cast out demons, healings, and stuff. But Jesus knew they were incomplete. And he gathered them together and he had a long conversation with them. You can read about it in John 14, 15, 16, 17. A very lengthy conversation. I'm going to just wrap, cut, summarize it with this. He said, guys, you've seen a lot. You've heard a lot. You've done a lot. But there's still more that you need to understand. And, we, and in John chapter 15... He said to them, let's see, where am I? Let me find myself here. Um, Oh, 16. John 16, he said, he said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. In other words, you won't get it now. You won't understand it. It won't make sense to you. I have more to say to you more than you now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So he said, there's going to be something happening. The Spirit is going to come to you. He was setting him up for birthing into the kingdom. He said, a lot of this you don't understand yet, but... But you'll get it. The Spirit will teach you. Well, we know what happened. He was arrested. They scattered. Peter denied him, swore, and said he didn't even know Jesus. When the little girl, servant girl, said, weren't you one of his disciples? And they, then they were hiding in an upper room, and then the word came that he wasn't in the grave anymore, and they were behind locked doors, and Jesus showed up in the room. And we read about that in John chapter 20. This is fascinating to me. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands, his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. Kingdom values here. Peace be with you. 
as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, every time I read that, I try to imagine what that was like. I try to put myself in that room. I'm still processing the fact that he, he was crucified, brutally tortured and killed, and now here he is standing with scars to prove it. In front of me, he's alive, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Peace be upon you. Life-changing, wouldn't you say? Life-changing. And boy, he, he didn't stop there. He kept talking about it. Acts, the book of Acts, tells us about it. He says, Jesus began, Acts chapter 1, the first verse, Jesus began to do and teach these things until he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Here we are at the kingdom again. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my, from my father that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, is now going to be the time you restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know those times or dates. The Father will take care of that. I'm paraphrasing. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Receive the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Power's going to come with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be my witnesses. It's going to go out to all the earth. Well, Acts chapter 2 tells us how that happened. We won't take the time to go into that, but it was a pretty significant moment. They were all together in one place. The place where they were gathered was shaken. There was a sound of a rushing wind, flames of fire upon their heads, and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Kingdom values. Oh my. That wake you up? Good. <laughs> Kingdom values. What happened? You remember Peter? I don't know him. I wasn't the one of his. Now what's he doing? Peter stood up with the others and he said to the crowd, This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. That in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Upon my servants and even the ladies, the handmaidens, I will fill with my spirit. And he went on and explained. He told them about Jesus. He unpacked it all for them in that great sermon that he preached on the day of Pentecost. This Jesus whom you crucified, he said is both Lord and Christ. Woo. Now there's some values at work. Transformed by the Holy Spirit. And it says that they were cut to their hearts. Cut 
to their hearts. And they said, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and your children's children to all that are afar off. They were birthed into the kingdom by the impartation of the Holy Spirit into their lives. And they began in that moment to function in kingdom values. And you know what? 3,000 it says. 3,000 on that day who said that they were cut to the heart. What, what does that mean, cut to the heart? It means that all of a sudden the light came on. It means all of a sudden they realized what they had done. They'd been out just days before shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And now they're saying, oh boy, we goofed. What, what do we do? Peter answered him. And it says 3,000 were added to the church. And look at this. You go to the end of chapter 2. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People experience God in their lives, in their inner being, were transformed by the Holy Spirit, and they began to function in kingdom values. Humility, compassion, generosity, peacemaking, Holy Spirit power, the kingdom values. We are in a time when there's a lot of disillusionment, dissatisfaction with our churches, with our religion, with the rules, with the traditions and structures that we've tried to live for God in. There's a lot of frustration and anger. And there's a tendency of some to want to try to fix it by Force and legislation. I think of our dear brother and sister, Pastor Stephen and Florence, sharing this story of those beautiful children and that ministry that's going on in Liberia, Africa. Can you imagine when Jesus said to his disciples just before he left them, he said, you're going to get the Holy Spirit and this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached into all the world. Then he had a grand divine vision of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, West Des Moines, Iowa, Bing, Liberia, Africa, and the kingdom expanding, people living out. The kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Don't you want to be a part of that? 
Well, we are, but we need to do it in the spirit. We're not going to do it through any political party. We're not going to do it through our own good deeds and efforts. We're not going to do it by just our stubbornness and will. We're only going to do it by the coming of the Holy Spirit into our hearts and seeding us with the values of the kingdom. I want that. And Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I'm hungry, aren't you? I'm desperate for something fresh from God. I'm tired of that old stuff that doesn't work. And there are seasons in our lives. I bet some of you can tell when you just came to the end of yourself and you were in that state of mourning, just the sense of loss of control of everything. And you cried out to God and he came in his presence and his power and he birthed something fresh into your life. Today, I invite you, daily, make it a practice to say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and do your work in me. Help me to be your child.